Welcome to the awesome Podmix. You are listening to Abby. The idea behind this podcast was to talk about how certain movies and TV shows made me feel when I watched them for the very first time. A reputed filmmaker once said, "When a piece of art invokes a similar feeling amidst a large audience, it's the triumph of the filmmaker. That's the magic of cinema. I love the magic of cinema." Today I'll be talking about the third episode of Marvel Studios Ms Marvel whether Marvel creates movies or TV shows they are all cinematic This episode's title is Destined written by Freddie Cyborn AC Bradley and Matthew Chauncey and directed by Mira Menon In the previously on section we see a small moment from episode 1 where Amir asks if Kamala is still afraid of jinns. It was sneaky and clever to remind us that she's scared of jinns. The episode begins with black screen over which the text reads British occupied India 1942. We can hear the sound of debris falling and being moved around by hand. Najma, Fariha and Salim are searching something at the cave site. Najma finds the bangle on a severed blue skin arm. This blue skin arm could easily be of a Cree, but why would a Cree be wearing some bangle with Arabic or Urdu inscriptions? Is this blue skin arm of a genie like the ones we've seen in Aladdin? Even they wore bangle like ornaments on both arms and that also signified their servitude. I could be completely wrong but if they are basing Miss Marvel's power in her faith and culture this is the closest explanation. Najma recalls what the man from the temple said. Aisha walks in at the cave site and says we'll need two of those to get back home. She demands to see the found bangle. Mehvish Haya plays Aisha. My friend told me T is silent in Hayat. Najma and the gang wonder where the other bangle could be. Could it be with the British? Because Fariha thinks the British have looted this place twice already. So there's a high possibility it could be with them. British soldiers arrive at the cave site and force people to leave. People resist and a gunshot is fired. When Aisha, Najma and the others look up reacting to the gunshot, we see the insignia of the 10 rings. Now this insignia is making me think maybe Wenwu was in possession of these bangles or he was in possession of the person who possessed these bangles, like a genie. And then Wenwu severed the arm of this blue-skinned person. I'm just throwing ideas, maybe something will stick. Aisha and Najma are running out of time. They are unsure if one bangle will be of help. Aisha says, "If there's even a chance this bangle can take us back home, we have to try." Where is their home? Aisha puts on the bangle. Purple energy pulsates through the bangle and her eyes glow like Kamala's did in the first episode. As the cave crumbles, Najma asks Aisha to take the bangle and go in another direction. Najma has to get her teammates to safety. Najma and Aisha hug. Aisha promises she'll meet them soon. In the present day at Najma and Kamran's house, Najma finishes narrating the story to Kamala that we just saw. Kamala has a ton of questions like we all do. How did Najma know her great-grandmother Aisha? Najma reveals they are all from another dimension. They are not here by choice. They were exiled. They've been around for hundreds of years, but Kamran is just 17. For a moment there I really believed Najma's story. Najma takes Kamala to another room. Kamala thanks Najma for saving her life. 
Najma says, The least I can do is protect Aisha's family. I didn't even know Aisha had a family until you put on the bangle and we sensed the presence of Noor. Noor means light. Noor also helps Najma and her kind to slow their aging, but they can't access its full potential in this dimension. Kamala might be able to help them because she's from here. She checks if Kamran could do the same as he was also born here. Najma points out that bangle helps you unlock the Noor. Maybe one day something will do the same for him. Kamala is apprehensive. Kamala says, a lot of bad things happen because of the bangle, so I really don't know if anything good can come of this. Najma is sweet-talking Kamala so she would help them. Kamala, like a child, says, so you want my bangle? Najma says, it was Aisha's wish to bring us all home. Now you must finish what she started. Stop manipulating the kid. Kamala asks, so where exactly is your home? And also, what are you? Like, what do I call you? Like, what are we? Najma says, the Noor dimension is their home and they are known as clandestines. They've been called many names like Ajnabi, which means stranger, Majnu, which means crazy, like from the story of Lela and Majnu. Majnu was crazy in love for Lela and unseen. They are most commonly known as Jinn. Kamala reacts. She can't believe she just said Jin. Miss Marvel title sequence begins. Kamala barges inside Bruno's room saying she just had the craziest night of her life. Bruno was worried. He scolds her saying, Kamala, you can't just text me you are alive and then go get eight hours. The police showed up and was asking about night light. Kamala comes clean and reveals that she was chased by drones last night. Kamala says, I'm a Jin. Bruno replies, and tonic? A cute cocktail joke. Bruno is just too cute. Kamala says, I found out what I am, and it's not as guardian or alien or anything cool like that. I'm like the stuff of my childhood nightmares. See, there's like ghost stories, and then there's gin stories. The gin stories are so much worse because they are real. Bruno questions, where are you getting all this information from? Yes, Yes, check the source. Good thinking, Bruno. A man of science doesn't believe anything blindly. Kamala says Jinn people saved her from the drones last night. They are clandestines and Kamran is one of them. Bruno was sure there was something weird about Kamran. Kamala defends them saying they told her about the bangle, her pars, and her great-grandmother Aisha. They need Kamala's help, which means she needs Bruno's help. Bruno agrees to help Kamala, but he's not sure how he's gonna help a bunch of ghosts and their average-looking son. What a Peter Quill thing to say. How Peter Quill thought Thor was not that good-looking. Bruno needs a lot more information and Kamala is willing to tell him everything. Yes, Bruno, do your thorough research. Kamala says, you're good at math. Do you know anything about interdimensional travel off the top of your head, specifically that of the Noor dimension? Bruno remembers he read a paper by Eric Selvig regarding something similar. The scientists from the movie Thor, The Avengers, Thor The Dark World, and Avengers Age of Ultron. Kamala excuses herself because she needs to pick up stuff for the Mehendi function. Bruno informs her that she is trending on social media. The next scene begins with a low-angle shot of the DODC SUV. The camera slides to show the agents as they step out of the vehicle, focusing on the shoes. 
it's important. Agent Deaver steps out. Agent Cleary is nowhere to be seen. Deaver enters the mosque. Sheikh Abdullah checks if there's a problem, and the shot still focuses on Deaver's shoes. Deaver accuses them of harboring an enhanced individual in the mosque. Deaver instructs her team to fan out and search. Nakia intervenes and says, Deaver has no legal authority to do that. Nakia learnt that from Law & Order reruns. See, TV programming helps. Nakia calls the agents out for barging in because they spotted an enhanced individual around the mosque, not because it's a serious matter. Sheikh Abdullah politely warns the agents that they should not come back unless they have a warrant and remove their shoes the next time they enter the mosque. I am not at all religious, but when I was watching the scene, there was a voice inside my head repeatedly saying, Remove your shoes! Remove your shoes! Remove your shoes! Nakia barges into Kamala's room all upset. She flocks on the bed face down. Kamala asks Nakia what's wrong. Nakia informs about the DODC storming the mosque and her feelings about Nightlight's irresponsible behavior. Nakia reveals she won the election. At the Mehndi function, we see a kid stealing shoes. Usually people do that during the wedding and not at Mehndi. So there's this tradition of stealing the groom's shoes and you can quote an amount in exchange for the shoes. Sana, Muniba's mother, is not attending the wedding. Muniba reveals her mother didn't even attend her wedding. Why would she attend her son's wedding? The song Jute De Do Paise Le Lo from the movie Hum Aapke Hai Kaun plays in the background. It literally means give us the shoes and take the money instead. The song is composed by Ram and Lakshman and the lyrics are by Ravinder Rawal. Amir even says they are supposed to hide one pair of his shoes, not all the pairs of shoes that he owns. Aunt Ruby, the gossip girl that she is, inquires about the FBI search. Sheikh Abdullah clarifies that it was the DODC looking for a brown, most likely Muslim girl. Now, how did the DODC arrive at that conclusion? Muniba without missing a beat. Oof, the trouble this girl is causing. Her mother should be ashamed of herself. Aunt Muniba, you're talking about yourself. She also reveals Bruno won't be able to get out of his shift at Circle Q. But he has left a box for Kamala. The box contains Miss Marvel's eye mask from the comics. At the Circle Q shop, from the diagram on his laptop, it appears that Bruno is studying Eric Selvig's research paper on Einstein Rosen Bridge. Bruno hides his research material when he sees Yusuf entering his shop. Yusuf still notices the papers under the book. Bruno tries to steer the conversation by saying it's something for his cultural studies class. Yusuf reads the headline, The Jinn. Yusuf wants to help and translate the Urdu bits for Bruno. Yusuf says, Supernatural beings of pre-Islamic folklore, the jinns have had many names across time and cultures. Some call them genies, other demons. Legend tells of a group of hidden jinn exiled from their home world and damned to live out their days trapped in our own. They move in the shadows, searching for the key that'll help them get home. But to unlock such an ancient barrier, they'll require a primordial power. At Bruno's home, Bruno notices Kamala is constantly touching her knee, as if it's bothering her. Kamala reveals she fell off a drone and didn't realize she was hurt until much later. Bruno's research reveals that theoretically interdimensional travel is possible, but they'll need the base energy of a sun. Bruno also mentions that these theories downplay the error of margin. If they need the power of the sun, the error of margin on this one is incredibly high. 
In layperson's terms, if she helps them go home, some things might go boom. Kamala hears might and thinks there's a possibility. Bruno shares the news that he got into Caltech, but he doesn't want to leave until he's assured that Kamala is okay. I am so glad Bruno is going to Caltech. Bruno wants to help Kamala, but doesn't see a safe way to do this at the moment. Kamala says Carol Danvers wouldn't wait. She'd punch a hole in space and time and she'd help them now. I doubt she would do that. Also, isn't that America Chavez's set of powers to punch a hole in time and space and travel across dimensions? Bruno says then Carol Danvers would be reckless. Maybe it's not such a bad thing that you're not her. I think they'll have Carol Danvers cameo in the show toward the end. She possesses the power of an infinity stone and space stone at that. At home, Kamala is cleaning up her knee bruise. Her mother tends to her and applies medication and bandage. Muniba reveals moving to America was so hard for them and they had to struggle so much. But she found the mosque, friends and family that made it better. It's a beautiful mother-daughter moment. Zenobia Shroff is excellent as Muniba. Kamala messages Kamran that she wants to help but it's dangerous, so she needs more time. Kamran is supportive. He says they'll figure it out. For now, she should focus on her brother's wedding. On the wedding day, it hits Amir that he has very little money in his account. Why is he getting married then? Yusuf soothes his worries, saying that he'll find a way after grad school. How? How, I ask? Kamala overhears her father's advice to Amir about choosing love, passion, courage, and family. During the wedding ceremony, the song Tere Bina from the movie Guru plays in the background. It's composed by A.R. Rahman and the lyrics are by Gulzar. At Kamran and Najma's home, Najma reads the message Kamala sent him. Najma is upset with Kamran for not sharing the information. Kamran learns that Najma knows it's dangerous, but she can't wait anymore. Nothing can stop her from returning to her home dimension. Kamran reacts shocked. I knew I couldn't trust this woman. I almost bought her story. I should have stuck with my gut. What does she mean she'll make Kamala do it? She's a kid. Don't you hurt her. Don't you lay a finger on her. At the wedding reception, Bruno inquires about the rituals from Aunt Ruby. Muniba and Yusuf dance to the song Ye Mera Dil from 1978 movie Dawn. It's composed by music director duo Kalyanji Anandji and the lyrics are by Indivar. You've spelt his name wrong in the end credits. It's I-N-D-E-V-A-R. The funny thing was the kid in the Little Hulk costume sliding in on his knees and dancing right on the beat. I appreciate you catching the beat, little guy. Kamala, Nakia, Bruno and the gang dance to the song Hadipa from the movie Dil Bole Hadipa. It's composed by Preetam and the lyrics are by Jaydeep Sahni. Bruno is just too cute dancing. Amir and Taisha join in and later so does the entire family. Kamran enters the venue. Kamala asks Bruno for a dance and Bruno agrees. Right on cue, Kamran takes Kamala away. Kamran says, You are in danger. Your entire family is in danger. I thought they would listen to reason but I didn't realize. You are not safe. None of you are safe. They are coming after you. Bruno requests Kamran to leave. Kamran responds, Seriously, back off, Brian. Kamala spots Najma entering the venue. Kamala pulls off the fire alarm which would make people evacuate. Bruno helps them evacuate. 
Amir needs the money he got as Shagun, or you could say, as good luck before his married life begins. Kamran tries to stop Najma, but she tells him not to get in her way. Fariha and Salim corner Kamala in the corridor. She enters the kitchen area and yells, Everyone needs to get out of here right now. No one takes her seriously. Adam enters the kitchen, knocks someone out, and the entire kitchen staff leaves. Kamala uses her powers to shield herself from the punches and blows of Najma and the gang. Kamala's parents check with Bruno of Kamala's whereabouts. Bruno goes in to rescue Kamala. Adam manifests a club from his pendant. Fariha manifests a spear and Salim uses a belt as a weapon, which is damn creepy by the way. Adam hits Kamala with the club. Kamala's crystal form around her to protect her from the blow, but not the impact. She gets thrown into the banquet hall. Kamala gets attacked and she uses the objects from her surroundings to defend herself. Najma attacks Kamala mid-air with her spear. Kamala falls on the table and then sneaks under it. Salim finds Kamala and is about to hit her with the belt. Bruno throws gift boxes at Salim to create a diversion for Kamala to escape. Salim strikes Bruno and Bruno gets hurt. Salim charges toward Bruno. Kamala stretches her arm and strikes Salim. She then proceeds to knock them all down with her stretchy arm. Kamran comes to Bruno's rescue and engages in a fight with Salim. I can't believe it. Kamran tells Kamala to get Brian out of here. Salim knocks out Kamran. Bruno and Kamala get surrounded by the jinns. Kamala asks, why are you doing this? You said you would protect me. Najma says, why would I protect those who betray me? And this is the reason we don't trust strangers, Kamala. The bangle pulsates with purple energy. Najma touches the bangle and both Kamala and Najma see a vision of a train with Karachi written on the front and the train whistle blows. The DODC arrives and knocks the jinns out with a sonic gun and arrests them all. Kamala uses this opportunity to escape with Bruno through the back door. Nakia witnesses Kamala using her powers to shut the door behind her. Nakia figures it was Kamala all along. Bruno urges Kamala to leave and assures Nakia will take care of him. Kamala apologizes to Nakia and promises she'll explain everything to her later. At home, Kamala's parents interrogate her like she's some criminal. They think Kamala pulled off the fire alarm, but they are willing to help her if she comes clean. It's a trap, don't fall for it. When Kamala says she can't share, both her parents walk away disappointed in her. Kamala goes to her room and receives a video call from her nani, Sana. Sana urges Kamala to come to Karachi along with her mother because she had a similar vision of the train. The call gets disconnected and Kamala doesn't know what to do. The end credit sequence plays over the song titled For Aisha. It is composed by Aisha Chaudhary's brother Ishan under his band name Memba. Memba includes Ishan, Ivan and Naomi Wilde. For Aisha's lyrics are co-written by Anvita Dutt along with Memba. This was quite a roller coaster of an episode. To know more trivia about the songs featured in the episode, I can totally make a bonus episode on Patreon. For now, you can listen to the awesome pod mix and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. If you like what I'm doing, I'll soon be launching the awesome pod mix page on Patreon, and you can support me there. Thanks for listening.